Hey there, listeners. It's me. It's Greg. I'm hosting yet again, and I've got a little bit of news to drop on you, and then we'll get into the episode. So here we go. So first of all, we've had this lovely feature brewing for quite a while that dives into our origin stories of some of your, uh, you know, fan favorite editors over here at RPG Fan. So a lot of the team members obviously started playing RPGs and got hooked at some point. At some point uh, makes me feel really old when I look at some folks that uh, their first RPG that got them hooked was something like Borderlands. And <laughs> Whereas I'm over here in the uh, Super Nintendo era. And I'm sure there's even readers out there who got hooked back on Final Fantasy and Dragon Warrior. So uh, enjoy feeling even older than I do. At any rate, if you want to check out the RPG Origins feature that we've got on the website, it's a really nice read to kind of see what really hooked us into a passion that brought us here to RPG Fan. And has brought us back to this genre like time and again, just because it's enchanted us so much. Oddly enough, a bit of the review news is pretty self-serving, since the first two reviews come from me. I reviewed Thea the Awakening uh, a bit ago, and we finally dropped that review since it's just a game that's been out for a long time, but uh, we, no one around here had played it, and I did, and boy was it really fun. It's a really neat strategy RPG kind of hybrid adventure game. I don't know, it's really neat how it meshes everything together, and I suggest you check it out and go read my review if you uh, want to see if everything that's jammed into it is for you. The other review that I dropped on everybody was the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance Tactics. After uh, going through a good solid week of being into everything the Dark Crystal, this all culminated in uh, beating this game for review, and uh, again, it held up pretty well. It's a fairly average 7-ish out of 10 game, uh, and you want to go check out my review and see if you... Uh, like some of what I had to say, then that's great. Strategy RPG God Wars got a new piece of DLC way back in September of 2018, so we're a little late on this one, but the future past Labyrinth of Yomi was checked out by Audra Bowling, uh, and she kind of seems fairly ambivalent towards it, as in it's, uh, it's something that fans want. Go on in and check it out and get a little bit more God Wars, and it's something that's also not super necessary, I suppose. Either way, if you want to see what's packed into this new piece of DLC, and if it's worth going back to the game for, check out Audra's review over at the site. More old stuff. Kind of. Not really. Uh, the whole Yakuza series is getting remastered, and Jonathan Logan plowed into Yakuza 3 Remastered, which has definitely done a good job of updating things from its kind of PS2 vibe back in the day, uh, and now it's, I guess, a bit more akin to PS3? I don't know. Either way, it uh, is a dated game that has gotten a much-needed makeover, so you can check out his review of this action RPG and see if the remaster is uh, worth getting into. And continuing on with the whole remasters theme, we've got the Tokyo Mirage Sessions Sharp FE Encore that uh, released on the Switch not too long ago in the beginning of this year. Nathan Lee went back to it because he was a huge fan of it on the Wii U, as were a few uh, folks here at the site. At any rate, he's given this one RPG fan editor's choice and does deem it a remaster worth going back to and getting on your Switch because it has held up quite well. And two of these RPGs get video reviews. I don't know what that song was, but thanks for dealing with it. Anyways, uh, we did some video reviews for the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance Tactics, as well as the Tokyo Mirage Sessions Sharp FE Encore, so if you would rather consume your RPGs with your eyes and ears as opposed to just your eyes, go check out our YouTube channel and have a go look at those latest reviews that we dropped out for you. And there we go, quick and easy, all of that news drop is done for you, and it's time to enjoy episode 182 of Random Encounter.
Hey, you're here. So glad to have you here. You're listening to us again. That's a good thing. I'm glad you decided to come back and listen, because uh, I've got some really nice people here on episode 182 of Random Encounter. I have got Caitlin Argeros back from the wilds of Shadowbringers. Well, temporarily. Never can escape Final Fantasy XIV for long, but you know. <laughs> Sometimes I have to take a break and play other games. Sometimes. Just sometimes. I mean, as we discussed over the uh, end of the year, end of the decade, I guess, at that point, uh, kind of episodes, there's a lot you got to catch up on. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And I'm doing well so far. I've already beaten one game last month and working on another this month and a third later on. Just in time for the onslaught uh, next couple of months, Final Fantasy and Last of Us. We have thankfully had some delays to help that out a bit but <laughs> yeah i'm actually like when the first delay like the very first delay was last of us uh, getting delayed to may and i was sad at first but now i'm actually really glad because it gives me the chance to actually play these games everybody's bank accounts heaved a sigh of relief for a moment yeah <laughs> well i mean i'm buying them all anyway eventually exactly but you can space it out a bit now yeah you don't have to uh risk not paying rent that month well i guess i'm gonna go do stand-up comedy in order to uh, buy all these games right now this month amateur nights on uh Tuesday. Let's try this out. Oh, I owe money. Okay, great. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> that being said, our other wonderful panelist today, we have Nathan Lee. Hi, Nathan. Welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me. And I'm actually here. I didn't sleep in this time. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Fun fact. Nathan was supposed to be on episode 181, and then he slept through the episode. Only half of it, actually. But by that point, we were too far gone without him. <laughs> you missed a good talk about Mecca. Oh, man. I would miss that. But I should go, actually, I need to go back and listen to that, actually, when I think about it. See what you missed out on? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, it's just talking. But we got you. We got you this time around. And, uh, well, yeah, I don't think we've talked to you since uh, last year. Wow, it's been a long time. No, it's like been a month, maybe two months. Anyways, we've all been busy. We're all playing games again. Yeah. Yeah, already into February. Yeah, I'm just kind of shocked that it uh, snuck up on us so fast. I was like, how is January already done? I don't get it. I mean, part of that attribute to the fact that my work was closed for about a week and a half at the beginning of the month. So I think that kind of made things feel like it sped along. It's like I barely worked through January. But either way, it's bizarre that we're yeah already almost halfway into February. And it's a leap year this year. We get one extra day this uh, this year as well. So that's fun. Yay. Everybody uh, born on the 29th now turns another year older. <laughs> but only, only on leap years. Yeah, exactly. They age... Four years slower. Yeah, what do they? What do they do? We actually had this discussion, uh, Annette, Gwen, and I in the car. Gwen was wondering the same thing, and they came to the conclusion that basically, like, as soon as the twenty-eight rolls over on the midnight, they basically just go to be like, "It's my birthday." Oh, now it's done, and then that's about <laughs> it. <laughs> that sounds like the worst birthday ever. Potentially, unless you just hate hanging out with people, then it's the best one. But I'm surmising they either celebrate on the 28th or more likely on the 1st of uh, March because that's the same amount of time in between. Uh. But it's still a funny thing to think of that you, you're you not quite as like, you don't age quite the same as a dog, but you still, it's like every four years you turn a year old. It's weird. <laughs> <laughs> I just have a, like a big celebration every four years. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And we're also in the year of the rat, which is my year. I'm a rat, as I recall. So happy Lunar New Year for everyone who celebrates. And happy year of the rat to you. Did everyone buy a lot of things in the Lunar New Year Steam sale? No, I, I resisted. Yeah, same here. I find it funny that Steam basically finds any excuse now to like have a sale. Well, why not? They make all sorts of money, right? It's like, oh, it's Flag Day. Yeah. Let's, let's, 
let's sell games on Flag Day. They make they make buku dollars from it, so I mean. Yeah, exactly. And then this one, they had a bunch of like neat little storytelling things that kind of stole, uh, kind of told the origins of each of the animals and the race to become part of the lunar calendar, which was kind of neat. So I thought that was kind of a fun little history lesson that I missed out on because I'd forgotten. I think that story. I think was told to me when I was much younger and I was like, Oh right, yeah, they all the animals had a race to see who would be a part of the, the zodiac. Oh yes, I remember Yeah. And so that was the part of the whole steam sale thing. You would unlock little tidbits of the story throughout the as the sale went on. And then you also earned like lunar tokens to get discounts, which was basically like buy back if you bought enough stuff. But I think I only bought one game, which I think was Crypt of the Necrodancer. Was the only thing oh, I picked up from it. purchase. Yeah. I thought so. I was like, if I really want to get into Kate, it's a high rule. I feel like I should go back and play the OG too, because I've heard far too many good things about it and its music. So yeah, just need to find the time now. Yeah. It's always that. You always got to find the time. Because yeah, we've been playing things and it's a new year with new uh, reviews and stuff to do. And there's been lots on the plate. Uh, one of the earlier games that came out uh, was on our list of uh, most anticipated games of this next year. And that was Tokyo Mirage Sessions. Is it all? Is it Tokyo Mirage Sessions FE? Sharp FE Encore. Sharp FE. That makes sense, I guess, because it's music related. So it's not hashtag FE. It's Sharp. No. Well, uh, you were playing it for review at the site, Nathan. And I think you've both played it back when it... Because it's ported from the Wii U, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, Nathan, why don't you chat to us a bit about that? All right, so... This is actually one of my favorite Wii U games to, I think, actually, well, just one of my favorite overall games to come out of the last decade. I think I was the only one who ended up voting for it for when we did our top 20 games of the decade. Why why did it speak to you? Because I remember back when the they talked about it before I even joined Random Encounter and the site, they were talking very highly of this game on Random Encounter back in the day. And I don't know, someone was saying they even like picked up a Wii U, I want to say, just because they wanted this game. Oh, maybe that was recently. I think it was Leona that went back and got a Wii U just for this game, and then they announced the port, and Leona was like, what the heck? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what happened, maybe. I can't recall. But either yeah. way, it's a, so it's a rhythm game, isn't it? Or is it uh, just a traditional RPG? No, no it's, it's an RPG. It's a full-fledged RPG. Oh, it is okay. Traditional RPG. It's the same vein as uh, like Shin Megami Tensei and Persona games made by Atlas. Okay, so you're still making relationships with people as you go around Tokyo, um... And uh, if I recall, it's also a very faithful recreation of the area in Tokyo it takes place, isn't it? It is. Uh, when I went to visit Japan in 2015, I went to Tokyo, and a lot of the areas that they highlight in the game are very similar to the way they are. Nice. And with this new port, has everything been upgraded? Like, is it a, is it a noticeable change-up coming from the Wii U to the Switch, or do they leave everything basically the same? Uh, they've upgraded the graphics a little bit, but the main thing that they've improved on was the overall performance of the game. One of my big issues with the original release was the loading screens were really, uh, really long, and there occasionally the frame rate would stutter, and there's another technical issue I'm sure I'm missing out on, but all that's been improved, so now everything just runs smoothly. Yeah, the load times are really nice less uh, annoying to go from area to area when you have like a bunch of requests or it's it's in some cases it's it's like a second or two yeah like the, well, the one that was really long at the end of the game was the if you, every time you go to shibuya at the end of the game that takes like 
on Wii U it took like almost like 10 seconds to load just because there's a lot going on in the game then. But uh, thankfully on Wii U, the, oh, sorry, on Switch, it's like loading that, that now is like maybe two and a half seconds. And that would make a noticeable overall difference to not have that deficit of time. Like, it does add up, surprisingly, even though 10 seconds doesn't sound long. And obviously, first world gaming problems at this point, 10 second load times compared to what we used to have back in, like, the 90s. But at any rate, it does add up over time if there's enough. Before you know it, you've, like, probably wasted an, an hour of your game time has just contributed to waiting and loading screens. Yeah, it takes so, it took so long. And uh, even the battle, the battles now load really fast. Even the battles back then would take, like, two, maybe three seconds to load. It actually kind of threw me off because... The music, like, the load screen and the music will kind of, like, be in sync on the Wii U, but on the Switch, it's, because of how fast it is, it, it's actually kind of feels off to me, just because I played so much of the original Wii U version. <laughs> so, yeah, but yeah, like a muscle memory to it, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, kind of. It's just, like, the music just was so perfectly, like, like when you use your you did your first attack, it would almost be in sync with when the music would kind of, like, start up, or I guess the... Oh, that's funny. The pace of the music would increase, so it's just like that. Just the, the rhythm is off, so to speak. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Oh, that's neat. But this is definitely the optimal way to play this game. Oh, yeah, for sure. Gotcha. So it wasn't a wasted uh, port opportunity, It's and it's not a faulty port. I'm glad they took the chance to upgrade where they could, which is awesome. So the Fire Emblem, Effie, is, the, is that Fire Emblem is the component that's kind of mixed into there as well? Yes. Yeah. Was that in there back in the get-go, or, or not? Yes. That was the that was the original idea. In fact, before we knew that it was going to be kind of more like an idle sort of kind of setup with the story, it was just originally teased as being a Fire Emblem crossover game. Yeah, it was originally announced like back in January 2013, and it was like they didn't have much of a concept for it. It was basically just Shin Megami Tensei's crossing over with Fire Emblem. That's all we knew for like two years until they revealed it as like this idle idle Fire Emblem game. And is it taking? Fire Emblem characters and basically putting him into a modern context? Uh, so basically, if this was kind of almost like Persona, so every character will, in the game will have their own, I guess, they call them mirage, mirages. They think of it like generally as like a Persona. That's basically what, what they have. It's, and the, the characters will follow them around and like be part of the story. But other than, other than that, it's like Fire Emblem elements are pretty light. There's also some boss characters that are pulled from Fire Emblem. So it's right. not just like your player characters, especially in the uh, the first half. And that's what I was wondering: are these original characters made just for this, or are they fan favorite Fire Emblem characters that were brought into a modern context? Uh, so the Fire Emblem characters, like that you have as your personas, I, I say mirages. I don't know. If I'm just intermixed between the two of them. It's an easy thing to do. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, they're mostly fan favorite characters. Um, some of the villains are from the other Fire Emblem games. In fact, I think. All of them are, if I'm remembering correctly. They should be, yeah. I think they're all, like, all the bosses in the game are all for Fire Emblem. And did they take the opportunity to throw in some, like, Three Houses characters now with the new one? Or is it all just the same cast? Uh, so they gave uh, one of the your playable characters, they gave her a uh, Garrick Mock uniform. And uh, she, she used Axe, so a lot of people just call it basically, like, Annette. Oh, interesting. Yeah. But aside from that, like, there's that's just kind of a nod to it, but there was no actual direct content added from that game. No. Uh, there is new content in it, but it doesn't have anything to do with Three Houses. Uh, a lot of the Fire Emblem characters from, or in this game are from Shadow Dragon and Awakening. Right, which was on... Is that the one on the Wii, or is that the one that was on the, the it's, DS? So it's the original, it was the original Fire Emblem game, but then it got remade on DS. And then, yeah, the Awakening is on 3DS. That's what I'm thinking. Well, that's cool. And Kaylin, so you've played this new version as well? 
Yeah, well, I'm, I'm in the middle of it. I'm about, I'm a little bit less than halfway, hoping to finish it this month. Gotcha. But it was worth the revisit. Oh, yeah. Like, um, this was, I didn't get a Wii U for this game, but I was excited about it when it came out on the Wii U. And I did, I eventually got rid of my Wii U because I only had a few games on it, wasn't really playing it. And this was, this and uh, Xenoblade uh, X were the two games that I was the saddest about having losing access to by selling the Wii U, so I'm I'm glad that it got ported. But with the Chronicles remaster, it seems likely. Well, yeah, we'll see. I mean, they've been he's uh, they've been asked about it before, and the last time it came up, it didn't seem like that. It seemed like what they they want to port it, but it didn't seem like it was like on the horizon at the moment. They they've they've got a lot on their plate uh, right now too i'm sure um, yeah i'm sure that, like Molosov's busy with well they're developing the next uh, breath of the wild too yeah and they have a a new ip that they are working on we don't know anything really about that and then of course um there's always like we should probably expect another xenoblade whether it's maybe x down the line or xenoblade 3 or x2 or X2, yeah, because X2 needs a sequel. Or X needs a sequel, yeah. Go the go the Final Fantasy route. Yeah, and we'll see what we get, I guess, out of that. But that being said, if you missed out on the uh, Wii U release of Tokyo Mirage Sessions FE, Sharp FE, uh, now's the time to grab it. It just came out, was it mid-January? Or was it mm-hmm. really, really early? Yeah. In? yeah. And yeah. so it has been out for a while. And our review is going to drop on that soon enough. Might even already be up by the time of this recording. And check out what Nathan had to say about it. And uh, yeah. That being said, we can roll on into some uh, other very recent releases. Because, you know, I was able to keep on top of things. Uh, For review, I played the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance Tactics. That is a mouthful. It really is. (laughs) Uh, I very quickly in my review was like, acronym. Because I'm not writing this every single time. Otherwise, you would have been like, Greg, we can just make this an acronym. And that's like a thousand (laughs) words out of your... Out of your review right there. Yes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Caitlin was the lovely human who proofed and helped get that out the door faster than uh, it could have been, which is awesome. I mean, I actually finished it before Embargo. We just didn't have time to... It was a, it was a very busy beginning of the month, so it was hard getting everybody out and around for it. But it was a really fun game to play, and it was really fun getting into the Dark Crystal mythos and the lore. Because uh, I've always loved the appeal of it, the look of it, and I was confident i'd seen it as a child and after going back to it and re-watching the film before i picked up the series because i was worried that getting into the game given the name that it was going to tie into the series i did not know how much it would at the time but i was like i should probably watch the series since netflix is producing this game it's likely going to tie in so went back watched the film it holds up really well by the way if anyone hasn't watched it jim henson's team did just ugh, it's outstanding and mystifying the stuff they're able to do with puppetry and the the simple sets and yeah there's a few elements you're like oh yeah it looks like vha stays and vfx has definitely come a long way since it still holds water and like you get sucked right into the world and that they've created it's very very neat and that uh netflix kind of got their hands on it and then made this whole cool series was even better so i started up the series got a couple episodes in and then started up the game and the game is essentially retelling the series, which is a very unfortunate missed opportunity because like the, the, the TV series does it better. It's, there's really no way around it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's a shame because the gameplay is really fun. 
I find it really engaging, like the the control system of using the radial menu for your characters because they all have uh, three abilities that can be equipped by a primary job. They have a secondary job they can get that gives them two extra abilities. So all in all, they have five passive or active abilities that you can kind of use to mix and match between their different jobs and make every character very unique in a lot of ways. And it also helps them work either together with uh, other teammates really well or even set themselves up for their own combos. And that all is very fun and satisfying and definitely harkens back to classic job systems like in Final Fantasy Tactics and Five and such like that that we have seen in these games or uh, and you're equipping multiple different skills from your different jobs. It's not quite as flexible as Tactics, but it's uh, I probably, I guess, more akin to like bravely default where you you had a limited amount of that you can take from each job but you couldn't just borrow from all the jobs you've learned from i think you can only pick two jobs if i recall right so i think so i can't quite remember yeah i can't quite remember yeah it's been a it's while been a while it's been a while since the play played default yeah exactly but i think it was you would have yeah you have your main job and then you could pick one other job to borrow some and then you had a limit of points that you could spend on it to equip uh the different things so in this way they've kind of kept it so yeah you can't just make like a murder machine but it's uh it's still uh, flexible enough as you unlock multiple jobs. And the other weird thing about it is like in the show, uh, there's no like magic or anything really ever used. There's a bit of mysticism and such that gets touched on because the whole mythos of Thra, the world in which the Dark Crystal takes place, is very much uh, a commentary on like greed and abuse of power and uh, abuse of nature and that's basically what the Skeksis represent is they were given the the crystal of truth and were told to caretake it, but they abused the power it gave to in order to prolong their lives. Um, spoilers if you haven't seen the film from the ni- from 1982, but there you go. <laughs> <laughs> that comes out pretty much right in the beginning that they're abusing the power of the Dark Crystal and Mother Agra, who essentially, it never really says what she is, but it basically seems like she's kind of like more or less God for Thra in a sense. Like she's tied to Thra in some innate way. Cause like she's the only one of her race or whatever it is that she is. And so she's kind of like the caretaker of Thra in the beginning of the Netflix series. She kind of steps away because the Skeksis, when she gave them control of the crystal, they're like, well, to, to give you something back as we're looking after this, here's this thing. So you can kind of look into the cosmos. So she went out into, she kind of like one of this mind journey. So while her body stayed in Thra, her mind was off exploring space to kind of learn what she could and bring it back to Thra and help the people of Thra thrive. But she was gone for like so much time that in the time the Skeksis started abusing it and turned the crystal into the titular Dark Crystal, which again, you figure all out mm-hmm. in the beginning of the first film. And then they also touch on that in the first, right in like the opening moments of the series, which was uh, narrated by Sigourney Weaver. The cast on that series is bananas. My gosh. Mm-hmm. It's so many talented voice people on that. Anyways, uh, I digress. So the game loosely follows all that sort of stuff. And it goes through like a cool like comic book kind of style storytelling, which, as I said in my review, sometimes it lands. There's other times where the art didn't quite line up. Like, it seems the storytelling wasn't given the proper care and time it deserved, both in how they tried to translate it into in-game storytelling and using their comic book stuff. They just kind of relied on, you've seen the show, right? If you haven't seen the show, then you should probably go see the show. But if you've seen the show, so just watch that. All this stuff is better told there. You can just play the game. Mm. And it cheapens it. 
So it sounds like it's really not something that you want to be playing if you haven't watched at least one of the two, either the movie or the series, right? Exactly. And especially the series. Like you could definitely get away with not watching the film. But if you haven't watched the series, you're definitely going to be like, wait, who's that? Wait, why is that person important now? Wait, they just glossed over a bunch of stuff. Someone's dead now? What's happening? Like, there's a bunch of that sort of stuff that because it was better told in the show and given the proper care and time it deserved and is really well done, you're you're just kind of left going like, what? And so I kind of like, I kind of had fun playing the game in terms of watching it or playing it while I was watching the show in tandem. Like, not that I watched the two while I was playing, but I would watch an episode, then go back <laughs> to the game and then progress a bit and go like, okay, now I know what's going on. Okay, now I don't quite know. I'm going to watch another episode of the show, watch another couple of episodes, so then when I went back to the game, yeah, I was like, okay, I know it's kind of supposed to happen here, but they've reinterpreted a bit, and that's cool. They had to take a bit of artistic license and had to do their thing, and they did their best. And then there's other types where, like, that character is a small child in the show, but in this game, they're a full-fledged character that you can use in combat. That's weird, but okay. <laughs> just because they had to make it make sense in gameplay mechanics, I guess. So they did their best, but it just seems like, I don't know if it was Netflix or En Masse, who was one of the publishers. I don't know if they were trying to rein in bonus XP to keep the story on track with the the series or and play it safe that way, just because they're like, oh, we don't really know. We haven't really done much of this yet because, you know, bonus XP has made two of the Stranger Things games that are out there. And again, I have not played them, so I don't know how much they follow the story or if they diverge off, but I imagine they're just kind of play along to the story but with our fun game mechanics kind of thing so i feel like this is kind of more of the same so whether that's bonus xp just playing it safe and doing what they do and know or if the powers that be were pushing them to like no just keep it safe and stick to this but i feel it did a disservice because again as i said in my review there's a couple side things that that were actually very interesting like this one side mission where a character is studying these runes that his elder has sent him on and that was really neat because then they actually did this really neat little tie-in to the film. So if you watch the film, you're like, oh, cool. They they said the thing that happens in the film. That's neat. And <laughs> that was very interesting. And I thought that if they had done more of that, where they kind of fleshed out the world even more and stepped away from that mainline story that they focused on so much better in the series, it would have made for an overall better better gaming experience. Because the gameplay is there, it's sound, the tactical gameplay is a lot of fun. All your abilities work so well when you mark when you work them hand in hand with your other characters. And like it's pretty well built that it looks really nice. Like I was definitely a little concerned with some of the earlier builds that it might look a little too cheap and simple. And there's aspects of it that do, like with how they tell again, how they tell the story with just pop-up bubbles and then the overworld map is just very simple. Like it's beautifully drawn. Don't get me wrong, but it's just a very simple UI interface, which to its service, yeah, you're not getting bogged down in a bunch of menus and hating yourself for trying to figure out, remember where what is and spending hours through that. But it also feels a bit simple and cheap, which speaks to their mobile development history for bonus XP. So, you know, you'll take from what you will, but overall, it's a good game. The story is going to make you go like, all right, what's going on? I guess I'll go watch the show if I have Netflix. And then it's almost like, why bother playing the game? Unless you really like tactical yeah, gameplay. Because, yeah. I mean, most of us come to RPGs for the engaging story coupled with fun gameplay. Yeah. That so. sucks. It does a little bit. Like, I, I still think it's a it's a definitely, like, it's a 7 out of 10 game. It's an average game. And it seems to be what it's getting reviewed at. Most people seem to be sitting it 
at somewhere between like a five and a seven, depending on how overly critical they may be. I think I've only seen one place that went higher than we did. But even then, I don't feel like I was too generous with them either. Because overall, it's it's solid, but it's just, yeah, it definitely gets dragged down a bit by the uh, the the lackluster storytelling. And, you know, there's elements that could have used some more variety in its combat with uh, fighting the same enemies kind of over and over again. I mean, there's a lot of variety in when you're fighting other Gelflings. Gelflings being like the chief race that you play as because all the enemy Gelflings, just like in tactics, you can encounter parties of enemy humans that use all the different jobs. So there's a lot of variety in that system. But as far as just like the innate uh, fauna of Thra, there's only like three or four different types of monsters that you really fight. So it can get a little samey with that. Oh, wow. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Which is great because you're like, oh, I know. How, them, how long of, a, of an experience is yeah, It's not very long at all. Like I, I, I was able to get through it in like a few days with, uh, you know, only one day was really I spent more than like five, six hours playing it. But most of it was like in two hour intervals. So I feel like all total, I maybe spent 20 hours on it. Maybe. And okay. that was me going from the normal mm. setting to the easiest setting, which is story. So my grinding was a bit more minimal in the tailing. So I was just trying to get through it for a review. But if I was even playing on normal and hard, it might stretch it out to maybe more like a 30 or 40 hour experience at best. But I can't see anyone going more than 30 hours with this game unless you just really want to grind all your characters to level 99, which is unnecessary unless you're playing on New Game Plus. Because if you go into New Game Plus... So there is a New Game yeah, Plus. Yeah, there's definitely some end game stuff where you can go into New Game Plus... Everything's a bit harder, even if you set it to the normal modes. So everything's a bit more higher challenge, but that lets you grind out your characters more if you weren't quite able to get to those tier three jobs by the end of your first playthrough. So it's like, it's almost like they don't expect you to need to grind that much. Because I beat the game at around, all my characters were roughly level 40, somewhere in there. And you can get them all the way up to 99, so you'll take from what you will. And it will let you get some more access to newer, better equipment once you get into New Game Plus as well. Which, as I said in my review, you can't sell your equipment, which is weird. So you have to make more money through grinding. Yeah, what's up with that? Yeah. That's really weird. <laughs> the, the, the equipment shops in Thra are one-way streets. Once you bought it, it's yours. They don't want it back. There's no market for resale, apparently, in Thra. So <laughs> uh, you have to earn your precious pearls by just doing more grinding. So it's a little silly. Because I found moments, it's easier later on in the game when you're a bit more overpowered and you can kind of run through the encounters that much faster and the bigger endgame encounters give you more money. But earlier on when you're just like, oh, well, I've got like seven characters and I can use five of them at a time possibly, uh, four or five of them usually per mission, I want to make sure most of them have the best gear. And how much do I have in my bank account? Oh, I got about $2,000. Cool. Oh, the best sword is... $1,500. Okay, cool. But so is the best armor for each of these four characters mm. and each of these five characters. I hate that. So you're like, mm, I'm going to yeah. be here for two hours, you know, not not long, but still, you're going to be here for a while grinding just to try and equip everybody up. And like I said, in the story mode, it wasn't that bad. In normal mode, I think there was only once where I felt I had to like sit back and grind a bit to get myself better gear to get through an encounter. But I didn't. Uh, I didn't fail a lot. It wasn't. It, I felt the challenge was right if you were, uh, like you know, doing one or two or three side missions between like some of the bigger story moments. You were okay. Like there wasn't an unnecessary amount of grinding. But if you were playing on hard mode, that's where I would have had to have stepped up my grinding game for sure. 
But all that being said, all the classes are neat. They have a lot of different variety in like the kind of stuff they offer. Like it's all broken down into basically like you have your fighter class, you have your scout class, and your magician, wizard, healer kind of class. And from those, they all branch in their own things. And then like the tier three jobs are a mesh of two of those. So there's like a um, like a scout thiefy mixed with like the melee class, and there's a melee mixed with magic, and then there's a magic mixed with the scout class kind of tier three job and then you get to fizz gigs which are great the little fluff balls i don't know if you remember watching the movie i think caitlin you said you hadn't watched it no i haven't seen um have you watched the netflix series at all nathan or the uh watched the film back in the day not that you were around the 80s but since then no i haven't unfortunately well they're both good uh they're good shows but fizz gigs are these little fluffy dog things uh that are really adorable and they roll around because they're basically little balls of fur and uh and then uh you get one as a healer and there's another one you get as like a scout which is funny because it gets this skill where it can silence itself and then it gets a passive skill that while it's silenced it has an increased rate of doing critical hits which uh that's passive skill is called sneaky little and then it trails off (laughs) (laughs) and i love it because then it goes around nipping at people's heels and get landing critical hits and then if you put it with another passive skill that anytime it lands a critical hit it gives other characters around it uh an attack bonus so it's like you can do a lot of cool synergy stuff and start cascading those so they're really good as a cool little support thing and then you got podlings you end up i think i've got one which is hop who's one of the main characters from the tv series and then you get another one later on and they get some cool abilities like hop wanted to be a paladin wanted to be the first uh, podling paladin and podlings are just these cute little short Kind of, they're, they're humanoid, but they're just got like these little round, mushy, nosy faces. They look like they're kind of made out of clay. I don't know. They're weird looking, but they're super endearing. And they kind of speak like this weird own gibberishy kind of language that sort of sounds like a weird kind of like Latin, Spanish, some sort of bizarre hybrid in between with a little bit of English smattered in there, which a lot of I understand uh, the novelist J.M. Lee kind of helped develop. And then they called on him a lot for the TV series to, to kind of basically translate and make the language more <laughs> for the show. And so you can get Hup, and he wants to be a paladin. He wields a spoon. So all the podlings use spoons or forks and stuff, which made me think of Kina from Final Fantasy IX, which is great because once uh, they, their evolution tree kind of goes, their their jobs class tree goes in like a circle, and then they kind of can learn the two next to it. And then if you kind of like a sphere grid almost, and then if you go to the other job, then they can learn the next one next to it. But um, the one I chose with him was to make him into a cook. So then I just went full Kina. <laughs> Or Quina, or however you say that character's name. But oh yes, yes. Uh, so yeah, he was going around cooking people, which is great because he gets a passive ability where he hits them, it, it spices them, <laughs> and then when they're spiced, it's just a status effect that you can do certain things if they're spiced. It'll add do extra damage or whatever. So there's a lot of things like that that like if someone's been marked by a thief, then you can do this attack, or if someone has poison and they're blind, then you can do this attack. So it behooves you to make a well-rounded team. And to use all these character abilities to their best to, uh, like I said, cascade different status effects and such better than I think I've seen a lot of games do. Because, like, tactics, it's very easy to just be like, I'm going to make a two-handed monk who's just going to run and destroy everything. Yeah. Cool. Now I'm going to make a party of four of them. Awesome. I win. Whereas you can easily get away with, you know, not balancing your party and still win the game, depending on how you want to do it, right? So... I thought that was really neat that this game kind of drives you to do that. So anyways, all that being said, if you like the Dark Crystal, you're definitely going to get the most out of this game. If you don't like the Dark Crystal, there's really 
not a lot of point to pick it up unless you're just super into playing another strategy RPG. And it's a quality one, but uh, watch the series and then pick it up. That's my best recommendation. Otherwise, you're going to be a little lost and just you're going to get very little value out of it. So I guess, okay, question. So obviously, you know, the series is on Netflix. Did they did they get the rights to the original film to also have on Netflix for people? Like around when the series came out? Yeah, it is on okay. Netflix. Yeah, like I have it on DVD, but yeah, uh, The Dark Crystal is on Netflix as well. So you can basically do the whole thing. Okay, good. Because I was going to say, like, that would kind of suck if you, like, you want to watch the show, but you've never seen the movie. Well, <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, they have the full rights to all of it for however long that lasts. Okay. So. And um and it's neat because there's even a whole documentary on them making the TV show as well, which is very fascinating. I watched a bit of it, and like the Henson Company was very involved in the whole thing. Brian Froud did all the artwork for the original film. He was very involved in this show as well, and was also involved in this documentary. And his whole family. It's funny too because Brian Froud's family also basically have taken up the mantle and still working it. Like I think his son, I think his, is his son doing no, his son does like costume design and stuff and puppet design. So he was very involved in the show, and I think his wife does costume design. So they were all very much critical to the development of the show. And it's funny that there's a whole like family tradition passed down. And then all the Henson kids are, and his wife and stuff are still all involved in running the Henson company and being involved in the production of the show and stuff. So I thought that was really neat that it's it's very much a family business for them, which is cool. And they've the the advances they've had to make in puppetry, and I thought that would have been really neat if like somehow they like I I don't know I did it's not like I was asking for like those old PC games where like you had a live action like Mark Hamill walk into Wing Commander and <laughs> you know what I mean you remember those games where they had a lot of the live action uh, acting in their PC games and stuff like I don't think I was looking for necessarily puppet cutscenes but just again the storytelling felt very lazy and uh, yeah. It it doesn't have that grandeur that any of these have. Uh, but that being said, I was going to say, right, I completely went off on a tangent there, Caitlin, to also comment on your thing about the Dark Crystal being on there. The series and by proxy, the game are a prequel to the film. Mm-hmm. So one way or the other, it doesn't matter which order you watch them in. I guess the only thing is just it's weird because like you can watch the film. And you'll be like, oh, cool, there's a lot of mystery and mysticism and you'll want to know more about it. But you're like, cool, well, then there's a series so I know I can see more about it. But then you can watch the, the series and you're like, well, I know how this is going to end. I know what's going to happen, <laughs> in a, so to speak. Like it doesn't obviously like go right to the doorstep of the film, but like it builds up to a lot of, you know, where what got the film to where it was. So it's hard not to not be surprised because it's weird. Like you... There's spoilers if you watch the film first, but there's also spoilers if you watch the series first, because then you're like, oh, well, then I know what to expect when I go into the film, you know, vice versa, right? Yeah. It's interesting. So you're you're going to be surprised either way, and then you're going to lose some surprise either way. Do you think it works either way, or is one order better than the other? I couldn't honestly tell you. I mean, I think if only just because... uh the aging of the film, it probably would be in your best interest to watch it first, just because going from the, I mean, they did a great job of matching the performances of a lot of the characters that are, cause they, it's all, um, the, the Skeksis are almost all the same as the ones that were in the film. So they had to voice match for some of those characters. And like one of the characters I like, which I commented on in the show is the chancellor he has a very specific way of speaking. And they cast Simon Pegg as him for the series 
and he did a great job of matching uh, the original actor that played the Chancellor in the film back in 82. And so that's really neat. And so they did a lot of really good work with that. But uh, again, there, there's still going to be a disparity in the quality, right? So it might be better for you to or watch the movie first and then do the game slash series okay. just to so you don't have that like whole like, oh, weird. This is yeah, I can see a little bit of the uh, <laughs> the the graininess, so to speak, you know, of that old school kind of look. But again, it's aged very well and you may not. It's just a question of do you want to watch it chronologically as written story wise or chronologically as released? For me, I, it read well going film then series, but that may not be for everybody. Well, I just unloaded <laughs> a lot of uh, Dark Crystal on y'all. It's uh, you can get a lot more in depth stuff from the video review and from the uh, the written review. Uh, I don't know. It was very exciting to play, and I definitely like lived this whole world of Thrall. Like I was very invested in it for a good two, three weeks, whatever it was. Two weeks, I think I was. I was plugging away at the game because I was watching like the series basically an episode or two episodes every day and then going to play the game for a good couple hours every day we mixed in with all my other things that I was doing so you know, I it was all dark crystal all the time for me basically and various themes and the music in my head and yeah and again the music I was going to say in the game is good too but it's just there was lacking it, there could have been more because the music is so fantastic in the show as well that it's just like oh they could have filled that out better so anyways I was living in it so uh, it's very much something that I was excited about and it still holds up, all that being said. Uh, but new things uh, coming out as well that are, I guess, from somewhere old uh, would be PSO on or, uh, Fantasy Star Online 2 is back and weirdly on the Xbox only, but we'll come to more things. <laughs> it's super odd, yeah. Yeah, it's going to come to PC. Yeah, it's, it's right. Yeah, we got that announcement that it is coming out to Steam. And we had some beta keys thrown around for a review and such. And Caitlin, you picked one of those up to play along with the team. So how's uh, that been going? I know there's been a bit of startup woes with uh, uh, the beta. Yeah. So I didn't actually, I didn't experience that because I wasn't able to, to start checking it out until uh second day of the beta. That was Saturday. Um, but yeah, it sounds like uh, they had a lot of server trouble uh the very the very the first night that uh the the servers open they even had to take things down to do maintenance so um uh which is that's not shocking yeah i mean it's a, it's like every like beta mmo release ever. yeah you sh you expect trouble with these things and that's you know people think oh beta it lets me check out the game well yes but it's also there mostly you know to serve as a stress test and let them figure out problems and fix them so Ultimately, while it sucks for the people who wanted to get on Friday night, like it's a good thing. It served its purpose. Yeah, <laughs> rather rather have that happen, you know, during a closed beta than like when it actually launches, when you'll have far more people playing too. Yeah, I paid full price for this thing, and now I can't play it at all because everything seemed to work fine during beta. Well, it's that's the thing though; it's free to play, so you don't you don't actually pay anything. Oh well, then. <sighs> entitlements any rate uh, I remember Derek Heensbergen did reveal that he got to do some localization on it uh, but he was also reminding everybody and we can we can spread that love of be kind to them again as Caitlin said the whole purpose of this is to, to figure out what's wrong not what's right and fix it for when it fully comes out right so yeah and they're, they've, they've, they still have some purchases. some speaking to do yeah within yeah 
with regard to that. I saw a fair amount of uh, uh, text boxes that the uh, where the lines uh, were all kind of funky, like it would it would jump to the next line when there was plenty of space left in the box. So there's there's some some uh, you know with the game itself, uh, there's. Uh, some instances where like uh frame rate got pretty uh dicey uh depending on like what you were doing or how many people were there and you know that's not you know that's not really news for anyone who's played a a game b an mmo uh even even other big name mmos like the one that i'm playing right now final fantasy 14 has instances where if you have lots of characters around you know stuff slows down and like that so but so yeah it's it's uh it's they'll they're gonna the iron the kinks and they you know they point blank told everybody playing the uh the beta that like you know some things may not work right and you might experience issues not like like that so um it's everyone's full notice that like hey things might look a little weird or act a little funny or whatnot so well it's funny too that they're remastering this already because the game the original isn't that old it's eight years at this point. Yeah, it's it's so, fairly old. Yeah, it looks old. I'm sorry. It it, de- it definitely feels dated uh, by modern standards. Did they not do much like updating for it? Or I mean, I never, I never played or looked looked much at like what the original was. So I don't know how to compare it uh, with that. I mean, it doesn't look horrible, but it it kind of looks like I don't know. Late PS2, early PS3 kind of uh, graphics. Like, it's not really super flattering. Uh, I think some of the art design is is nice. I think some of the uh, the worlds that you or the you know, the areas you go to for uh, to explore and stuff look kind of cool from an art design perspective. But it's not going to wow anybody in terms of you know uh, character animation or character design. Um, at least it didn't it didn't nothing i saw was like oh hey that looks good and to be fair i played for like six hours doing like the very early you know and entry stuff so it's hard to like make a a judgment call on what the whole game is going to be like but i I mean everyone i think who's going to check this out is should be you know fully well aware this game came out in 2012 and it's going to look like a game that came out, you know, in the last decade or the last, you know, earlier in the the twenty first century, um, no one's gonna, I think, have illusions that oh, this is going to look beautiful. It's mostly just that you know, this is a game that we didn't get to play for the longest time, and for fantasy star fans and people who are you know like MMOs and whatnot, um, this is an opportunity to play a game that we you know, up until now haven't had. I think that's going to be more the appeal for people is checking out a game that we didn't have before versus like, oh, it's this bright spankled, you know, sparkly new MMO. Cause it's, it's not, it's, it's. No, it's only ever been ported to other consoles in Japan. Like it was on the PS4 and the Switch in Japan. Yeah. And even then it's still that core version. So yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. The hype is going to just be, oh, we finally get to try this. It's like if, uh, yeah, if we ever got finally got Dragon Quest Ten as an MMO, there'd probably be that old one, and not with an up-res version or much of an update. But we'd just be like, "Oh, we finally get it! Exciting!" Yeah, and uh, I mean, it's a uh, 
It's a game. Um, there were, oh, <laughs> I don't know. Time. You play a multiplayer role. <laughs> like, again, I, I, I don't want to leave a judgment because I played six hours and like I barely saw it, you know, anything. I, I, I checked out some quests. I explored the hub world. I fought some monsters. So I kind of have an idea of what the basic experience is going to be like, but it's hard to like make a judgment on like, I like it. I don't like it or I or it's good or it's not good based on only six hours. Um That's fair. I think it being free to play means that I'll probably occasionally check it out, like especially if I have any friends who like want to, you know, fool around in it. But I don't see myself necessarily devoting the time to it that I've like put into fourteen. Um in But you'll play it more than Anthem? <laughs> yeah, well, eventually I will, sure, yeah. I mean, I, I put like a good uh, 30, 40 hours into Anthem, but um, uh, eventually, yeah, even that, because I'm not, I'm not going back to Anthem. Sorry. Sorry, exactly. Bioware. You, can't, you cannot make me go back to Anthem. Uh, no, you have nothing to apologize for. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's interesting. It's like, it kind of reminds me of what I expected an MMORPG to be like back before I had played 14 and when i was kind of like i don't think i want to play mmo just in sense of the uh it throws you into its world with not a whole lot of uh preamble you get a little cutscene that explains like you know what you're doing out in space and who you who what group you belong to and what they're doing you meet a few characters um they don't seem terribly interesting like i'm not really led to really care about any of the characters that I have met so far, the main, the, the main NPCs uh, as of yet. But I mean, maybe something cool happens later on and that would change. Um, the, the UI is, it does not feel like it's optimized for controllers. And of course, you know, maybe that's unsurprising. It was originally released on PC in Japan aimed to consoles later, uh, but it feels kind of messy and was kind of confusing trying to figure out where to to go and do things. I was I was drawing from my Final Fantasy fourteen experience to try and figure out where things were and eventually figured it out, but I don't know that it's like it was less obvious to me where to go to do what. And again, only six hours, but I don't know. It's it's interesting. I think I would have maybe enjoyed it a little bit more if I'd been able to play it on PC and, and had access to uh to that. Um We'll see. It will be on PC. I I don't know. If I may for ask you a question, mm-hmm. just before you jump around. Uh, if I recall, I think uh, another person looking at it was Ken was saying also it seems to handle a bit more like uh, like a Monster Hunter MMO as opposed to like a straight up MMORPG where like, there's a hub and then you just go out and do missions and such. Yeah. So you have a, a hub world. Basically, it's like a, a colony ship. So you have like it's gigantic ship with like its own city inside and you have a hub that you can go around and do shopping and and uh you know do stuff like that and then yeah you go on i guess a smaller transport gateway ship is what they call it to uh various different uh biomes uh honestly i i missed whether it's one planet or if you're going to multiple planets it i think it's multiple planets um, so different, like you might have a, a forest planet or a desert planet or something like that. And you, yeah, it, it is, it, it, it feels kind of like a monster hunter MMO, especially when you fight the boss level characters, because they often have, you can target different parts of their body and the uh, tutorial even like 
directs you on the boss tutorial to like target the enemy's legs in order to bring it down. So there's the kind of that that you oh, know cool. that monster hunter like focus on body parts to debilitate the enemy and then you know deal with it. Um, but uh, it's it's it is more like action oriented like like that. But you do still have a palette of moves that you can use that you can set based on the weapon that you selected, and you can uh, swap between weapons. Although. And I didn't know how to do this for the first like couple hours because the game never told me how to do it. So I had to I had to figure it out by uh, googling. Um, and then of course after I googled, I found an optional order set of orders that they're like a subquest, I guess you side quests and whatnot that you can do. One of which was telling me how to swap weapons. So it was like, oh, okay. oh, okay. So there's an optional tutorial if you want, which I guess that's kind of nice. Yeah. Um, so, I just wish it was a bit more overt that you knew that option was there. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of things that, like, mostly I was playing with a friend and we just kind of figured things out by experimenting or going through all the menus and seeing what did what. It took us, like, uh, a little while to figure out even how to get into a party with each other because um, you have – so e you choose a ship when you create your character and then within that ship there are different blocks and I guess – is like it's a giant colony ship so they're like different like sections that people are in you have to be so in the same like the servers yeah well uh i don't uh, know the ships are more like the servers than the blocks the blocks are oh, okay weird because you can jump between blocks uh you know any, any any of your friends you can you know jump to the block that they're in and then you have to be in the same block with each other in order to create a party uh to, to to invite them to a party so we we didn't nothing i either i missed a tutorial telling us that or it wasn't stated so we didn't know at first how to even party up and do stuff together so um there's that um yeah so <laughs> party on caitlin no 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 i can't party on garth <laughs> yeah party on greg uh once we figure it out <laughs> yeah uh so the quest system is a little interesting and i don't know from six hours how representative this is of the entire experience but like you have quests that you have to do the game says that you complete main quests in order to progress the game but then you also have story quests to progress the story and so far in the beta the main quests were just they're all called expeditions and that basically just involves you going down to a planet running around doing stuff and wasn't clear to me every time that my friend and i did this we just explored the the area until we found the uh the area's boss and then once we beat that we finished the quest i don't know if there are other things you can do like if you can just keep exploring and maybe you pick up like side requests or whatnot like I, i'm not sure if it's always just go and kill the boss or if there are other ways to complete the expedition but you do that and I mean, that's, it's, it's what it is. It's a, every area is like a, a large map that's uh, segmented into smaller maps or zones. So you, you'll go from one zone to another and then to another, to another. And kind of like Final Fantasy 12, it sounds like. Yeah. Um, although I think it, it felt like there were probably more of them, more smaller maps for each area as opposed to like larger uh, wide wide open spaces um we 
I didn't ever really explore the map fully. We just kind of tried to figure out where the boss was and and uh, make a beeline for him. Um, oh, gotcha. so, so you do that, and then the story missions you have to do by yourself. You, uh, they're they're solo stuff. That's weird for an MMO. <laughs> well, I mean, like I don't know the the story quest in Final Fantasy fourteen. You're doing by yourself. You, you don't you do you do instance content oh, with it. personal character development. I guess okay, that's fair. Yeah. Um, but so far, all the story quests I did involved, basically, I would go to the area that I had just done the expedition in, and I'd have a cutscene, and maybe I'd have a boss fight. But it was just like, they they took me automatically to where I had to go. I didn't run around doing any, any exploration. I was either in a cutscene, or I was thrown into a little area to fight a boss. And I don't know if that's going to be the case for all of them, but it's it felt a little disjointed. Um, somewhat similar actually to Anthem in the way, in the sense that Anthem had you, you could go and you could explore the world on your own and do like, you know, uh, side things in the world. But anytime you wanted to do a story quest, you had to load into it specifically. And it was its own instance that was separate from the main world. And you were corralled into, uh, that, you know, little corridor that you're supposed to travel for the quest. Right. Um, yeah, that sounds familiar. Only here, at least so far in the few story quests I did, you don't even traverse. You just have a cutscene and then a boss fight or just a cutscene. So, again, I don't... They basically just throw you into the arena and then that's it. Yeah, that's that's uh, what it was like. And again, I don't know if that's just because it's the first couple of story quests and that will change later. So, I don't want to, like, say, tell people it's all going to be like that. But it just it felt a little weird. It felt like they were trying to make a sort of... Uh, to allow you to have sort of like bite-sized uh, uh, playtime. So you could do, you know, you can do the expeditions, which have no story content. It's just you exploring an area and killing monsters. And you have the story quests that are like segmented and, and so far seem to be focused on just pet scenes or a boss fight or whatnot. And then you have, you can do other things like you can pick up requests that you people want you to go kill a certain number of enemies or gather a certain type Pretty of materials. Yeah. Um, but it didn't, it doesn't feel as like a connected world the way that Final Fantasy 12, not an MMO, but a similar kind of sort of, you know, set up to an actual MMO Final Fantasy 14 does. Um, so I don't know, like I would need more time to play to see like how much, how true that is for the whole experience and whether or not it, you know, is it's any more interesting and whatnot yeah well i mean it's easy enough to go look up stuff on it since it's been around for ages right yeah and it's got plenty of episodes i think is what they call like their different releases like it went up to episode six it looks like but it's just a question of how many how many story beats or elements were released like what in each of these episodes like is it yeah little chunks that you get at a time and was this thing that you got to play was it simply just uh like a trial like was it even no it's the game oh it is okay so it's just like early moments of the game okay it is it is literally the game. You actually download I mean it's the beta client, but it was a seventy gig download, so I suspect it's the it's literally the entirety of the game. Um oh, okay. and they've already said <laughs> that your uh everyone who's in the closed beta, your progress carries over to the I think there's gonna be an open beta later on and then the fi- the right. actual release. So we just we just started like you're starting the game at the very beginning. It's I I was wondering too whether it was going to be like a 
a, a, a sample, like something like where you, you create a temporary character and then that gets deleted once you actually get, you know, get the full release. But uh, no, so it, which is nice. I mean, like that means, I guess, you know, when the open beta happens or whatnot, I won't have to start over again from scratch. I could just pick up where I left off and uh, maybe, you know, see more of the game. Um, That's fair. But, uh, but yeah, I don't know. Um, it hasn't ignited with you quite yet. No, yeah, I think I need to play more. Um, I think the concept of it is really cool because, uh, like, being it's an MMO in space, you know, and it, you have character classes where you're using, like, laser swords or you're using laser rifles or you're you're slinging um um well it's not it's called i think i think from what i understand the magic in the world is, is basically like photon energy like they 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 uh they don't actually have magic because it's in space and it's sci-fi but you use you know photons or whatever um uh, yeah photon arts right yeah and you get photon points pp to to use them yeah um so i i think you know sort of almost like you know if we maybe one day had like a star ocean mmo which now that i'm thinking about that i would love that but don't know if that's <laughs> ever going to happen um what about a mass effect mmo oh well that, that would nice. assuming it's like mass effect trilogy level of quality and not mass effect andromeda level of quality i'd be down <laughs> for that i love that mass effect uh, mmo it would be pretty rad if like caitlin said though yeah that would definitely need to be done right and not half-assed <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, I need more than six hours. It's it's okay. Like I didn't, I did. You know, I stuck around for six hours, which is longer than I originally expected to. I thought I was going to do a few quests, run around the world, check out a few things, and call it a night because it's the beta is not was not up for very long. Um, it's kind of a weird schedule that they started Friday night at uh, five Pacific, and it was a, it ended or. It was originally going to end at uh, right before midnight going into Sunday, early Sunday morning. They have said that they are extending the beta, uh, possibly because of the server issues uh, that were happening on Friday. Um, so their servers are actually going to come back up in just a few hours. Or actually, they are up now, I think. Uh, it was supposed to be 5 p.m. Pacific tonight. So What are you doing playing 14? Get in there, Caitlin. I want to put your photon arts out. But 14 is better. Like, <laughs> I, I'll be brutally honest, playing Fantasy Star Online 2 made me want to jump to 14 because there were so many that things. Makes sense, though. There were so many things like, you know, the basic kind of structure is very similar. You have quests that the UI is worse in Fantasy Star, but, at the you know, at a certain level, it's the same basic idea with your main menu system. Uh, it's just that 14, from my limited experience in PSO2, does things better. But I mean, like, yeah. 14 is. Yeah, to refine and improve upon and do things right, right? Yeah. Although it's very interesting to think, though, that, you know, um, I forget when in 2012, but that's that's uh, potentially like a year or less than a year uh, from when uh, 14 was rebooted with A Realm Reborn. That's fair. And they had to very quickly learn from their mistakes. And considering. This lingered around a bit longer. They were clearly at the time doing it more right than fourteen. Weirdly, uh, Fantasy Star Online two. You mean? Yeah, because it it had it got up to from what I was reading, like it it had a pretty good fan base. Like its first year got up to like three point five million, mm -hmm. and then went up or two point five, then up to three point five, then slowly kept growing. And then the Vita version had about one point five, which I guess there's no cross play. 
So, I mean, it was it stayed steady for a while, and it, clearly it's doing well enough that people want to see it come back. Yeah, and it didn't need they, a, a reboot like 14. <laughs> no, exactly. But that being said, 14 had learned from its mistakes and improved upon systems that other MMOs have been employing for years. And it's, yeah, it's, I can't blame you for, for feeling that way for sure. And it makes perfect sense that a game, even though, like you said, it seems like it's compelling enough considering how it's aged, like... It shows its date and it plays its date a bit, but there's still something compelling about it that you stuck with it. So, that, yeah. yeah, there's promise. There's, uh, I said in, in our Slack channel, though, that I like the casino more than anything else in the game. And why is that? <laughs> it's actually a really fun little casino. Like, I, I said that the art design is pretty good. The art design in the casino is really nice. Like, it looks, it's a, it's a, not like it's an expansive space. It's a, you know, it's a wide open area for the most part with just different places for you to do stuff. But it was all very fun. Like you have your you you have um you have slots, you have uh blackjack, you have a roulette game, there's a uh kind of a weird cross between like a um uh uh what you might call it at a at a fair where you're like shooting uh targets, a target shooting like a game. Shooting gallery yeah, game. shooting gallery, but it's like it's a shooting gallery paired with a pachinko game almost because you you shoot targets to get coins uh, to drop. Oh, the, I think I see it. And they roll across the floor. Yeah, of. they they kind of Weird. chink 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 down, uh, you know, uh, getting knocked by pegs and whatnot. And then you have to try and catch them at the bottom in order to to get the coin. You're, and you're fun. literally catching coins that you can use in the casino for other things. But it does look very gold saucery. Yeah, it's, it's kind of gold. Cool. They even have little you know yellow birds that are oh, totally <laughs> not chocobos. But yeah, I was like, mm, these that looks suspicious. Yeah. So yeah, it does kind of have a very kind of a gold saucer feel to it, and it was it was fun. Like my friend and I ran around doing different games. The uh, the 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 UI like tells everybody who's in the casino at that point if somebody wins big. So and like you know actual players, so you could you could literally be following somebody who's like who won big at slots or who bet it all on you know uh, a certain number color combination on roulette and won big or whatnot, and. Um, the the join in the excitement yeah and like the the graphics for the slots are are cute they're custom they're not like you know your standard slot graphics at a real life casino they're all kind of cutesy little pictures of animals and other things like that there was fun so like it was uh it was cool there are balloons in the casino that you can click on and you'll start floating off the ground and can float around and Oh, <laughs> I don't know that there's any reason for that to be there other than that. It's just a fun little thing to do. But we we spent like a good like hour or two in the casino alone. So like they got the casino right. So I mean, cool. I might I might come back for the casino. <laughs> and didn't you say there was an advert for Sonic in it as well or something? Yeah. So um, they have like big screens all, all around the uh, the different areas of the ship and the, the shopping center, which is also where they at a concert so at some point they had an npc singing uh a couple or one or a couple songs there but you also have big screens in that area and they were playing the uh the latest ad for the sonic movie um you could that's kind of funny you could literally just you know sit your character down and and watch this ad and uh i was wondering it was chatting with my friend wondering if like okay does that mean that we'll see like an ad for yakuza 7 like maybe when when that comes around uh to a western release or like is there any chance they might like 
play wholesale, wholesale like episodes or uh, or a movie that Sega owns the rights to or whatnot? Like, could they yeah, actually like what's the content they're going to throw on there? Right, if they're generating some NPC content for shows and concerts, like yeah, how expansive are they going to get? With yeah, that? it was kind of it was kind of a cool thing, transmedia thing. Yeah, it was almost it almost felt like um, I'm gonna like I don't know people are gonna yell at me for this, but you ever like Second Life almost kind of. Like, oh, right. it kind of felt like it wasn't just that you were playing a game, but they were trying to create the feel of living in an actual world and having real world like experiences. So there's a cafe you can go and you can sit and, and whatnot. There's the casino there. You have personal quarters that you can can go and, and customize. Um, and then like, yeah, like they actually play like ads for movies in this place that you could sit down and watch or listen to a concert or something like that. So that. That was kind of cool. Um, speaking of the quarters, my friend and I found out very quickly that um, at least that and other areas are where they're adding in the the microtransactions because the the game itself is free to play. They have to you know find a way to uh, to pay the bills uh, otherwise. So one of those areas is yeah. like you can't you can buy stuff and you can you can customize your quarters to a certain extent for free, but if you really want to like change the theme or the look of the place or stuff like that you had to you had to uh spend real world money for that kind of thing that so, makes sense though yeah and there were other areas where we saw that you know like you you would buy things uh premium things using real world, real world money so i'm sure there's going to be gear and yeah costume modelments and uh and do they have uh, as the ever important things of familiars and mounts um i didn't see minions yet minions there we go they may they may i mean didn't really see much of anything in six hours um i didn't see any mounts but i wouldn't be surprised some of the the expeditions like like i said we didn't really uh make a point of filling out the entire map when we were doing these things and there are a decent amount of of zones to go through so i could see having a mount would be useful but i don't know you know i like i said i know I knew that Fantasy Star Online 2 existed and that it was at this point, you know, before now, never released outside of Japan. And that's the extent of my knowledge. So um, someone, some, someone's listening to this right now who's a mega fan and is like, you know, well, they have this and that. So by all means, um, share with all of us, uh, you know, on Discord or Twitter, you know, let, uh, help those yeah. of us who are like new to the, to, to the, to the series and the game, like, you know, be our, be our gurus and, and, uh, and uh, like you know share whatever insights you have uh certainly like when i come back around to playing this some more hey all all information whatever the help i can get is is good <laughs> well caitlin has put so many people into final fantasy 14 by talking of it so highly on this podcast and made square enix so much money about time someone talks her into playing something else and getting her money somewhere else yes yeah please Talk i mean like fantasy star online like, all you have to do is just tell me that, like, yeah, maybe it's like that at the beginning, but it gets, like, if you do that, that's totally, I think, fair. That's karma, because that's what I've been saying about 14 to people, is that <laughs> I think it's good from the very beginning, but that it definitely gets way better, you know, past a Roman board content. So if that's the case with Fine Star Online 2, cool. It's free to play. I'll, you know, I'll put some hours into it here and there and, you know, get to the, the better stuff. But... uh not, and I mean, I say that better stuff like it's like bad now. It's not like it was. It's okay. It's it was an interesting experience. Um, 
uh, I, you know, I'm glad that it's free to play because I don't think I would be paying for this to play, to play more of it. But since right. I don't have to, I might find myself from time to time uh, checking it out. So, so yeah. At the and, very least, it's a palate cleanse, right? From your high fantasy. Be yeah. Like, eh, I'm going to go shoot lasers now. Yeah. Yeah. And then, like, you know, I don't know. There are other MMOs that I've wanted to check out that I haven't because I'm still so, you know, focused on. 14 that this is good that i <laughs> yes, you know focused, we'll call it <laughs> i'm not obsessive come on i know some people who are obsessive but she says as the iv is literally dripping into your vein i play this game like a couple days a week more i only play <laughs> it more than that when like the new raid tier drops which it's going to drop uh next week so i will be playing more then for a while <laughs> yeah well it'll be all final fantasy 14 all the time but yeah, you know, you know tons about it, and uh, yeah, again, it's hard to imagine or hard to not imagine that there's Fantasy Star Online fans, yeah, just as ad, uh, just as big an advocate for it as you are. So yeah, yeah. But again, it's definitely a different flavor. So and the fact that it is free makes it very accessible to just kind of drive, to just kind of dive into, and you don't really feel like you. It's nice because then you don't feel like you have to split your focus. Like you just invested in as much as you want and you probably won't have to put real money into it because there's probably yeah. enough people doing that unless you just see really something you gotta have like i was like and there's a costume for a character and it looks like one of them it's like a sonic costume for one of them <laughs> which looks really funny and i was like that'd be kind of fun and tempting but again i guarantee it's a glamour or something that costs money right so probably that's where they yeah. get you and i mean like i've never um i play 14 like even in, in during slow periods i play it at least you know a day or two a week so but i've never necessarily felt like i have to get on to play final fantasy 14 because i'm paying a sub for it um because i don't know it's i played enough to be satisfied with the money i'm spending for it but i can understand how people would be thinking like you know if they if they think they're not going to be playing for a while you know that that sort of feeling of like well if i pay my sub for the one i you know i gotta put in the hours so Having not yeah. having to worry about that uh, definitely helps, and I mean it makes you know, it makes sense. It's an eight year old game at this point. If they had, if they had you know legitimately said you're going to pay a monthly sub for the game, I don't know. It probably would, probably would have tanked. Yeah, so I think that's a good uh, you know decision on their part, and it makes sense that in order to compensate, they would have some premium stuff. And yeah, lots of you know that's that's the way games are these days i mean there are very few games nowadays that don't involve some form of like you know optional content that you can buy uh whether even if it's just like you know glamours or stuff like that so it doesn't really uh bug me that much and you know yeah it always was free to play actually from what i'm reading yeah i think so i think it was always free to play so which is good i mean like yeah the episodes came out free too or but yeah it must have always just been in-app in-app purchases so to speak so yeah Either way, that's cool, and it's coming to the Switch as well. I think. Oh, is it? Like. I don't think they've announced anything outside of that. Yeah. No, they haven't. Never mind. Yeah, it's just it's on the Switch. It's it seems like it in Japan would be reasonable for it to come to Switch if they already have it on the Switch in Japan. It would be weird for them not to, I guess. Can we also get it on Vita as well? <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, did you do any of the Fantasy Star Online, uh, Nathan? No, I've always been interested in it because I remember a lot of people really wanted to come over here, but uh, I'm not an MMO guy, so probably won't be playing it, but we'll see. That's yeah. fair. 
I really, uh, I guess I can maybe find maybe some YouTube videos or some stuff on Twitch or something like that. Or, well, not Twitch, but like, you know, some, maybe some video somewhere. But I'm very curious at how this game both ran and how it was like to play it on Vita because it's a fairly busy UI just in general. And I'm just thinking about like having all that on a really small screen like the Vita and having fewer buttons by default uh, or, or I guess, you know, fewer buttons and then having being forced to use the back touchpad to maybe compensate. Like, I don't know. (laughs) It'd be very interesting to see like, if there was like a dedicated Japanese community that really just played. Just enjoying the portability of it. But yeah, looking at like there's a screenshot they have on their uh, Wikipedia page. And yeah, it is a very cluttered UI. There's a lot going on. Yeah. Which really makes me appreciate streamlined design. And that's one thing, again, as I was saying, like even going back to our discussion with Dark Crystal, like the fact that some developers get the the minimal, uh, get, you know, maximize screen time and, yeah, you can get all that information by quickly going somewhere else. Like they just had a quick little pop-up menu if you wanted to get any information on any of the stuff going on on screen where you're just like, oh, well, I want to know the details of that character or how these status effects work. Press X on the character and then the details pop up. You know, it was, it's even simpler than how you could do it in tactics. And I thought that was great. But it also means there's not a bunch of unnecessary like, oh, just so you know, this means poison and this says this and this person has that and there's this many th- timers left on this thing and it was all very minimal and you could argue you know with the way uis they are these days that some of it could be hard to read but even playing it in handheld like it's just so uncluttered so i i I echo your sentiments that if you're getting it on vita or if we get it on switch over here as well like (laughs) it's not a lot of real estate to play with yeah but that being said you know we'll see how far that goes but it's it sounds like a neat experience either way to kind of try something different and if it's such a a low barrier of entry you may as well try it out and go play in a space mmo because there's really not a lot of them that i can think of yeah i mean like obviously you think about something like star wars the old public but uh there are other space games that are are or are going to be like you know massively multiplayer but they're much more like real time not you know rpgs so star wars is the one that really comes to mind like an actual RPG MMO. Yeah, exactly. And it's, again, it was a, yeah, an MMORPG because like, there's obviously like EVE Online and Elite Dangerous mm-hmm. and like Star Trek Online, but those are just online experiences. They're not straight up an RPG. Like there's really, this is probably the only one I can think of off the top of my head. Yeah. And then of course, yeah, Star Wars. It's interesting. We don't get a lot of um, what Mass Effect kind of offered and I guess by, you know, Fantasy Star and and such like that of running around and getting your boots on the ground in space fantasy. And it's it's a hard thing to gauge too, right? Like you look at fantasy games that, that we have in the RPG genre, it's very easy to justify like, oh, you took a blow from a sword and it didn't kill you right away. That is a very believable thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas you took a laser fire, like fire directly and somehow survived. It's a little bit harder to, to cheat those numbers, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, that's what... That's- that does kind of make games like, like, for instance, Kotor, uh, kind of weird because, like, Kotor, you know, like in that game, you're, you know, before you you get a lightsaber and you can reflect back blaster bolts, you're just like sitting there trading like blaster fire back and forth, and you should have been dead like five minutes ago. But well, exactly, and also people seem to have mild lightsaber resistance now; they're not just getting like 
cut in half and cauterized. Right. Yeah. Like, cause, cause that would be, combat would be over really quickly if you could, if, if they, if they work the way they're supposed to, like in the films. And yeah, whatnot. exactly. So I, I feel like it's a hard thing for developers to commit to just because of the, the leap in logic you're asking your player base to make. And obviously uh, gaming community is not always the most forgiving with those sort of things. And it's very easy to be like, well, actually the lightsaber should be able to cut through a rancor in 0.5 seconds. And this <laughs> fight took three minutes against these three rancors. So what the heck, George Lucas, you know, and then there we go. Uh, and at the same time, you can't fault them for that because it's a world about space wizards where they've made really cool powers happen. And when you get into a gameplay context and they have to gamify it and slowly build into it, you're like, why can't I leap around like the space wizards? Why can't I control everyone's minds? What the, because video game reasons and you got to get EXP and it's, it can get really messy for sure. Yeah. And that's why all the cool stuff happens in cutscenes. Yeah. But yeah, I, I agree. I think more, I honestly, I want more space sci-fi RPGs just in general. Like I love sci-fi, and so I want more, want more original Mass Effect trilogy. And it doesn't even have to be like that world, but just like yeah, stuff of that caliber. Yeah, in a fantasy setting, like yeah, it's or sorry, sci-fi fantasy setting. Yeah, it's it's something that we don't get. We, I mean, it's you can even see it in popular media uh, for film and TV. Like it's it's hard to find even good a good classic sci-fi film. Like I remember the last one I was really excited about would have been Jupiter ascending and look how that turned out. (laughs) Yeah. And you know, like I was like, Oh, this looks like a great, like just a nice, good sci-fi rock. This is going to be fun. And then it wasn't, you know, um, but we'll see what we get with some new stuff. I haven't watched latest show with uh, Kitty Sackoff that she did on Netflix that I wanted to watch. um, Yeah. That's on my watch list too. But it looks compelling, you know, stuff like Battlestar Galactica or, um, you know, did it really, really well in like the classic Dune. And now we're getting a new Dune series, so we'll see how it lands. So like there's obviously some stuff in the pipeline, but it's yeah, it seems hard to really get it right for some reason. And when all it really is is like you just make a thing, put some cool sci-fi crap in it, and have a commentary on our world as it is, and the excess to which it can go. Boom, you have a sci-fi. <laughs> and that's really all you got. <laughs> but uh sometimes it just doesn't land well. But I, I agree. I would definitely love to see some more sci-fi RPGs, whether MMORPGs or regular as it is. Uh, fun, fast question for you, Nathan. What do you prefer? Do you like your modern day run-of-the-mill slice-of-life RPGs? Do you prefer your fantasy epics or do you prefer your futuristic sci-fi epics? What's your, your favorite RPG setting? Uh, Depends on mood. I still like my modern slice-of-life stuff. But uh, over like fantasy or sci-fi, I'd probably choose fantasy. Yeah, it's pretty big fantasy. Yeah, fun. You're more of a sword boy than a laser sword boy? Yeah, usually. <laughs> and then I guess what we call modern middle of the bat boys? No, that's a very different thing from a very different tabloid magazine. Um, <laughs> I'm just thinking of, of uh, Ness wielding a baseball bat. Oh. <laughs> Plastic sword boys? I don't know. Whatever we would call the modern day. Gun boys? Gun girls? Gunners? any rate, final thing I wanted to touch on before we wrapped up this lovely little episode of uh, Random Encounter was uh, a wonderful email we got back when I made the call for the uh, end of the year uh, podcast that we were doing and getting some people's thoughts on the past decade. Uh, we didn't get a bunch, but uh, Ben Horgan got us uh, a really nice email right 
after we finished recording the last episode, sadly. So it didn't quite make it on. I was trying to get it in to discuss on uh, episode 181, but again, we ran out of time because um, uh, fun fact is uh, with Pete, he's a barber and he usually does his recordings during the day between clients. So he had to run off to a client that was coming in. So we couldn't quite squeeze it in. At any rate, uh, first of all, Ben, thank you for the lovely email. Uh, I enjoyed reading it. You know, you <laughs> complained of yourself of it being longish, not that long, and I appreciate all your thoughts on it. But uh, Ben essentially will give you the cold notes version of what he said, was telling us that uh, he basically taken a break from gaming in a big way, which I feel, I don't know, I've had that myself too, where like you can't always just keep up with it all, and mm-hmm. sometimes it's easier just to step away completely. <laughs> And who knows, I might get there again at some point. We'll never know. But for now, I'm in a good place where I'm able to keep up just enough. But uh, back in, he kind of stayed out of it for what looks like to be a better part of 12 years. And then um, finally decided to get back into modern gaming back in 2017. And uh, apparently going back through episodes of Random and Retro Encounter led him to discovering and some of the best games that he had missed in that time frame. And it's kind of been playing catch up. So over this past decade, I, he said for him, his like, top game series that he discovered which uh, apparently was through us was the trails series i don't know if that was great after hearing caitlin talk about it or if it's been talked about in past episodes that he got it but uh, caitlin can definitely speak to how great it was going back for herself for trails mm-hmm. and probably share that <laughs> yeah i'm sure there's been plenty of discussions over so, the years about the trails it yeah no doubt but it's definitely um uh, again, it's a sentiment i'm sure caitlin has of like it was worth going back to within this past decade to be like man i'm I missed this. <laughs> How did I let this go? <laughs> and it's good to know that uh, Ben has taste. <laughs> As he says, uh, and um, he puts it, uh, he basically found the entire series incredible and uh, sums it up as war and peace in JRPG form. Just <laughs> that's a good, that's a good description. <laughs> mm-hmm. Actually, there's a lot of quotable things in here that we can pull from, from ben, what Ben had to say. Uh, Persona 4 Golden. Uh, he was, it got him into, uh, reading, uh, about some Jungian concepts, apparently. I haven't played Persona 4, but I'm guessing there's a lot of, um, philosophical thoughts and questions in, in it and psychiatric, uh, analysis. Mm-hmm. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. Okay. That feeds in there. Yeah. And, uh, Xenoblade Chronicles is topping up on his list for being lovely and having a surprisingly good story for, uh, how big and broad of a jrpg it is and i agree it has what probably well he says it has the best ever jrpg soundtrack i don't know if it's best ever for me but it's definitely up there it's, it's up, up there, there for sure yeah i don't uh, I, that would be a, this discussion could get very long if we start debating if it is or not or what is better than it but it is i, I agree it is a fantastic soundtrack ai the somnium files was a good sleeper hit for like mike slosey got in at the end of the year there's a spoiler cast coming up for it i think or not i can't remember that might be that was in the talks i don't know if we're actually doing it or not but enough people like fell in love with it caitlin have you gotten to it yet yeah you did didn't you i i played it specifically for the spoiler cast which that's I right thought already went up but okay maybe it did i'm yeah, i'm not up on the up of it all but either way uh was a big fan of that over this past decade as well as virtue's last reward and just great stories there and then Breath of the Wild is uh it sounds like just the the best game to just kind of chill out and relax to. Like he says, goes for a walk in the hills or in the rain, just you know when you can't. Which is funny. Um, my wife and I was over brunch this morning. We we're chatting about uh agritourism, and which reminded me of a an article that um Kim wrote for Game Informer. Kim who used to Kimberly Wallace used to work here. I think it was Kim, or was one of her was it one of her fellow editors? 
oh, I can't remember, but I think it was a Game Informer article about how we as humans crave the pastoral, which is what draws us to experiences like Animal Crossing and uh, like the Harvest Moon games and Stardew Valley and stuff like that. Like we just we need nature in our lives and we try to get it wherever and however we can. And that's, you know, kind of why Animal Crossing was made. He just wanted to get away from his like big city busy life and just wanted that small town community vibe. And that's why the game was originally made. And that feeds into that. And that's why we went to see theater. And that's why we like, we go for walks in parks and all that sort of stuff. And now there's this whole agritourism that like we crave getting in touch with our um, agricultural roots, I guess, and getting out into the countryside so much that you can pay to go and live on a farm for a vacation, but you work on the farm. <laughs> so you work with the people who own the farm, you harvest, you learn about the agriculture and you take care of the livestock and all that stuff. It's like basically real life going on a harvest moon vacation which, again, personally to me, it's exciting having grown up on a farm. I was like, that's a cool opportunity. But it's just very weird that that is the thing that we are drawn to. But it's like we need it, right? So we are drawn to experiences like just popping in Breath of the Wild and just wandering around the wilderness. If that's the only way you can get it at the moment, take it. Because <laughs> uh, that game is very peaceful for that, right? Yeah, definitely. Like That's that's one thing I love even about Horizon Zero Dawn, which is a, an almost direct competitor for that in many ways. And just wandering those environments is super neat. Whether it's filled with robot raptors or not, it's still a very serene experience. Although I think the monsters are a bit more cluttered there, so it's easier to get into trouble, I find, in Horizon Zero Dawn than it is in Breath of the Wild. I love you for bringing that up, but tell me, did you bring that up because of my Discord icon? Oh, that's true. I did not. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that you did, actually. You have Aloy as your Discord icon. I do, yeah. No, just, um, hey, like, well, hey, you... You are synonymous with Horizon Zero Dawn anytime I think of it. Aww. You immediately, immediately come to mind because, again, you tout it almost as highly as you do 14, FF14. But uh, that also being said, is it, yeah, again, those two games go hand in hand as well as for me as far as like, they're very similar and different. Anyways, yeah, great experiences. So Ben had a lot of great hits and really good taste and attributes that to our good taste, which I very much appreciate. And um, yeah, he got picked up a Vita because we told him to essentially that's what i'm equating this to he didn't actually say this but i'm basically saying we told him to get a vita we told him to get a switch we told him to get a 3ds and we told him to play these games <laughs> but uh our our good influence um possible poor influence on his bank account has led him to getting some of the best games and some of the best consoles and handhelds of the uh the generation so he can get into stuff like trails of cold steel and final fantasy 12 he went back into dragon quest one through three so you know he's on um uh, Solosi's good list played Earthbound on the 3DS. Like he's really, yeah. He said as he said he, uh, his final statement says I'd have missed much of this without random or retro, and it would certainly have been less rewarding without listening to your friendly discussions about everything you've been playing while listeners are playing along at home. So thank you. I hope the next decade is just as much fun. Ben, so do I. Thank you for your kind words. It's uh. It's heartwarming to hear that we have that much of an effect on people throughout our various generations of uh, hosts on any of these podcasts. I, I I feel the same as you. Like there's so many games I want to play just because of listening to people talk about them on the podcast. And as Jono and I both echo every single time Caitlin opens her mouth about Final Fantasy 14, we want to play it. You know, Nathan has talked up Fire Emblem so highly to me too that I'm like, I need to go back after I play Three Houses. And I've wanted to just for that, you know, with Solosi with his love of Dragon Quest. I finally tried Dragon Quest VI. It's awesome. He's right. You know, like our passion comes through and I'm glad that we, it's not just amongst ourselves that the listeners get it too. So it's great. Thank you, Ben. Uh, do either of you two have any thoughts on 
on Ben's <laughs> email, aside from my subtle promptings to you? Uh, well, I think it's very sweet. We do this. We do these shows. We do these podcasts, and like I'm being modest when I say that I don't think that we have like an amazingly large audience. Like not like some other websites in their podcasts. I mean, we we have a good group of people who listen to our shows, and we love all of them. But I mean, I think we're all kind of like we we know that we're kind of a, a smaller. But it's still really nice to hear that the people listen to us. You know. They they like what they hear. That they they've been encouraged. They've been inspired. They've they've uh, they've wanted to buy games uh, or play games because of you know what we're talking about. Because it's, it's just great that we can like rub off that enthusiasm that um, you know all of us with our our sort of our our specific interests. You know uh, uh, the the different games that we kind of uh, always say stand for a little bit. Um, <laughs> so like I'm I'm super flattered to hear that like. Me talking about games like Girl Series, uh, in, in any small part, me and others who have talked about it, that is to say, uh, have helped someone else get interested in this series because of those games and I want more people to play them. And uh, I guess, you know, just, just like, hey, we're, we're doing something right here. We're, 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 we are sharing our love and our enthusiasm for RPGs and it's helping other people find and discover RPGs and to become enthusiastic and to love them too. So like, I think it's like, kind of like we're doing a good job, right? Yeah. Beautifully put. Random encounter. We attack, but we also protect RPGs. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I think, I think you just found the title for the episode. (laughs) I may have actually. (laughs) Uh, It's a great title. Uh, that brings us to, uh, I'd say, a very lovely ending of this episode of A Random Encounter. We are, we're we getting up there. we got 18 more episodes to go now till we hit the uh, the magical 200 number. And I don't know, we, there was a big celebration back at 150 just around when I came on board. Whether we'll do that 50 episodes later, maybe we'll wait to 250, maybe we'll wait to 300. I don't know. Either way, we're getting up there. So uh, stay tuned for uh, more episodes. In the meantime, you can uh, email me at podcast at rpgfan.com. Uh, I love hearing emails of any length, even if it's just a keep it up or uh, you guys smell. This is how you can be better. Constructive criticism is great, too. I appreciate all emails of all types. As long as you're not an inflammatory jerk, you are welcome to be here. Uh, otherwise, you can reach out to us at RPGFanCom on the Twitter and Instagram. You can find us on Facebook. We have a very lovely active community as well that uh, likes to keep on top of everything. And where else can you find us? I don't really know. MySpace? Probably not. At any rate, uh, you can uh, check out our other podcasts. We've got Retro Encounters we just talked about, which is uh, good for getting you into old games. And sometimes newer ones, basically, if it's two years old or more, we've played it on the podcast uh, or will play it at some point. Hopefully it's eligible. Throw out suggestions for things you want to see us play. We got polls that regularly go up for getting your opinion out there for what you want to see us play. So uh, check out Retro Encounter to see what's going on and play along. And we've got Rhythm Encounter. If you like music, some older episodes, you can listen to the dulcet tones of Caitlin going into her favorite uh, RPG themes, along with several other guests even as far back as Stephen Myrink, old Stephen back when he was here with uh, co-hosting that with Derek. And Hat and Eric, who are uh, by proxy uh, honorary members of the uh, RPG fan fam, uh, have the Phoenix Edge podcast, where you can get all the latest and greatest news and everything and uh, get their thoughts on that. And I, if I'm not mistaken, they record theirs live on YouTube, so people can also kind of uh, 
I guess, watch live more or less as they're recording, which is cool. And I wish that was something we could do. But since we're not all in the same room, it's really not as compelling to watch our, our Google Hangouts photos, I guess, come up or whatever every time we talk. <laughs> Probably not as exciting. And whether and not everybody's as comfortable being on webcam. So I don't know if that would ever land, but it just wouldn't work as well. It's more of an in-studio thing that that's more exciting. But that being said, we have had talks of getting our episodes on YouTube in some way, shape, or form. So if listeners prefer to listen to them on there. Hopefully sometime this year we'll get it all organized and fixed. Just uh, There's been other priorities, of course. But that's uh, the gamut of things you can put in your ears from RPG Fam. We've got our YouTube channel if you want to watch our reviews and trailers and all that sort of stuff. All the social medias, all the emails, read the reviews at RPGFan.com. You're here. You probably know all this. Whatever. Why am I telling you? Thanks so much for listening. Thank you, Caitlin and Nathan, for being on this episode with me. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it's good to be here. It's been a pleasure, as always. And to you listeners, I'll always have you back, too. Bye for now.